Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. As always, I'm Joe Whitney, and with me is Dave Campbell. What's going on, Dave? Hey, not much, Joe. Just excited for uh, another episode. Really excited to get it. Uh, well, talking to our guest today. Uh, it's very exciting to uh, talk about this with them and, and how it impacts the AAC industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so without further ado, our, our guest today is uh, Christopher Ruffo. Um, I hope I'm not butchering your last name, uh, but welcome to Brewing with Ben. Thanks so much. You're close. It's it's Rufo. Rufo. You know, I, I probably should have learned that on our pre-calls uh, and all our conversation made a note to myself. So I do apologize. It's but uh, but uh, so for, for those of our guests that aren't uh, familiar with you, you know, you've been around the AEC industry and Autodesk and all that sort of stuff for quite a while. You've been involved in, you know, video games and all kinds of amazing things. And now you're with like one of the largest technology providers um, in the world and still enabling the AEC manufacturing kind of design industries. So, um, you know, so I don't butcher your intro. I'd love to hear more about uh, what you've done in the industry and how you got involved. Now, before before we get into uh, that, though, Chris, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? I have a, a wee dram of a 12-year-old Beaumont scotch. It's from the island of Isla. It, uh, it has a slightly peaty taste to it. I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. I'm certainly not a scotch expert by any means, but I haven't met one from the Highlands that I haven't liked. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Joey's a, Joey's a, a frequent uh, connoisseur of scotch as well. Uh, me, I, I, you know, I, I've been trying a little bit of everything here and there. I did happened to pick up a uh, a bottle of a what was it a Macallan limited edition um I can't I think it was like number 3 or number 4 I think it was number 3 um in their production of like five kind of limited edition runs and uh I was very excited to try that that was a very good scotch I've I've just started kind of getting into uh getting into scotch a little bit more my grandpa he uh he he loves it. His favorite is Chivas Regal. He loves Glenfiddich. He loves uh, a lot of different types. I got him a bottle of Johnny Walker one time. He liked that. But his his go-to was always that uh, Chivas Regal. He loved it. I said the Highlands earlier. This one's from the island of Isla, which is uh, yeah. Love to go and visit one day. Yeah, oh. it's a uh, Isla uh, whiskey. It's a uh, it's 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 more subtle, not as earthy. It's 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 it got a great flavor. Um, I'm a big I'm a big Scotch person, uh, primarily just because I went there and then I fell in love with it. I would never try it before I went there, and then I was like, you know, when in Rome. Uh, and ever since then, it's been my you know preferred beverage. Dave, uh, you you said you like scotches, but what are you drinking today? I am actually uh, back to the whiskey train here, and I <laughs> one of my favorite kind of sippers here is crown royal apple and i'll just put a king cube in that let it sit for a little while and 
and I just kind of sip on it. It's a it's a nice easy drink. I really enjoy it. Good Canadian. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. That's you great. notice it's funny, but uh, you notice that the the Canadian whiskeys seem a little bit sweeter than some of the uh, you know American like the corn made kind of whiskeys. Um, whereas, you know, you can taste the oakiness sometimes, maybe the char, the barrel, but, you know, in the, the Canadian whiskey, a lot of times it's smooth. It's kind of sweet, uh, sticks out to you a little bit in that sense. Absolutely. That's very good. And being a Canadian, it's always nice to hear. (laughs) There you go. Our friends south of the border are enjoying our, our, our beverages. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Well, I. I'm not enjoying a Canadian beverage today, but I am enjoying something with maple in it. So I guess that counts, right? Um, I, I'm drinking uh, some whiskey myself. So we're just staying on this whiskey train. It's uh, a Pennsylvania made whiskey. Uh, I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Manatani. Uh, Manat- yeah, I'm totally butchering it, but it's delicious. It's whiskey finished in maple syrup barrels. Um, it's, you know, uh, 79% malt. Uh, about 10% wheat and then, you know, oats and rye to finish it out. So it's, it's got a subtle spice to it, but uh, uh, it just, it's a good, um, you know, nice whiskey to put over some ice, maybe a splash of uh, Coke just to change the color. But uh, yeah, nice. way to keep me honest, yeah. Dave, you know, circle back to uh, what we're drinking, man. Way, way to, way to <laughs> <laughs> make sure that we don't, uh, we don't forget that part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so with that said, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Christopher, uh, uh, which do you prefer? Chris is fine. That's All right, perfect. Well, Chris, um, so we kind of led up to uh, what we wanted to chat with you about as far as, you know, your intro and, and all that stuff before we uh, wanted to talk about some alcohol, right? The more important subject in life, alcohol. But <laughs> um, that said, uh, what, you know, what got you involved with AEC and um, kind, of, kind of just take us through your journey? It's kind of an interesting story for me. I started back at Alias, um, and Alias is a developer of, of 3D animation software merged with Wavefront, uh, very, very big, both in the industrial design sector, automotive, as well as uh, media and entertainment. And I, the first project I work on, worked on was launching Maya 1.0. I was on the team that helped uh, uh, launched that product. It was extremely exciting, and um, the the product itself went on to win a technical science and technical achievement award, an Oscar statuette for the software itself. So it's it it was really you know a career highlight to <laughs> to uh, be part of that and share that award with 400 other people who who worked on uh, the development of Maya. Uh, it was purposely built for the media and entertainment industry, um, you know, designed to do character animation, visual effects, rendering, et cetera. But the funny it, thing about it was, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's widely used by um, some of the largest game makers and uh, production companies in the world. My kids, thank you. They love uh, all the movies that, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids movies that came out of it and video games as well. It, it's it's tremendous what's happened because of it. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, that was the main product at uh, at Alias, along with Alias itself, which was a uh, design tool used for industrial design, still used today uh, by, you know, uh, most of the 
automotive firms, uh, aerospace, consumer product design, et cetera. Um, but on the Maya front, what we found over time was that architects were actually picking it up and contorting it into ways that we never thought the product could be used. They were using it for, and, and keep in mind, this is back, um, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, uh, using it for generative design, for city planning, uh, doing all sorts of different types of modeling. So, you know, through a, a series of twists and fates at Alias, I became more involved with the uh, the AEC sector. And then, um, you know, about 10 years into that, Autodesk acquired uh, Alias, and that business rolled into the Autodesk business. And I had an opportunity to work with the BIM team. The first thing they did, they wound up calling and saying, We've got to talk about Maya. It's being used all over the place in in the uh, in the industry. You know, Zaha Hadid is using it. Others are using it. Um, you know, let's talk. We can go out and meet with some of these customers. So I got to get a, a good understanding of the industry through you know partnership with colleagues and friends at at uh, at Autodesk when I I worked there for almost a decade and you know that's really how I got my start in working with um, architects, designers, and engineers in the industry and understanding how they're using technology to do just really interesting and, and wonderful things. Got to meet wonderful uh, customers, many of whom are Lenovo customers uh, today. And then when I left um, Autodesk, I had an opportunity to to work with friends and colleagues at Epic Games. And Epic is you know, doing something very transformational today with the both the media and entertainment sector and the design sector. You know, on the one hand, they're revolutionizing um, digital production and virtual cinematography uh, with real-time technology that allows, you know, directors to actually look through a camera lens and see actors on a green screen as they would be in a near finish shot it's it's truly remarkable it's it's revolutionizing the way you know pictures are made and then on the other hand they're transforming how architects designers and engineers are designing and visualizing um, their their buildings and solutions uh, with real-time technology that does you know real time is becoming more part of the design process itself it's not just about visualization anymore it's about being able to um, interact with a design in new ways so it's it's what they're doing it's transformational and then you know from there i had an opportunity to come and join the lenovo team leading the architecture and engineering segment within the, the workstation group um, and that that group is the group that provides the workstation hardware to many of our customers in the AEC sector. So that's kind of my my journey in a roundabout way into, into the AEC sector. Awesome, thank you so much for that. Now, I, I did wanna tie back to kind of, as you were saying there with the visualization, Joey and I had a, a webinar earlier today and you know it was a point that was brought up during that webinar that visualization is a very important you know part of our you know our industry our process even the the construction process itself the more we can integrate 
design itself with you know the pictures with the scans or what have you that data of the as-built conditions yeah it's only going to help us push forward and then you know joe and i were talking about it earlier with construction if you can help your field teams vi visualize that data put them in that model or you know if they can look through like the halo lens or something like that and see you know the overlay like the ar vr mr i i, I just see this technology really being um uh, you know as you said it, it's kind of changing the way that we do things and it's just we're seeing such an improvement again in, in that visualization department but also with you know communication in that sense because if you yeah. can see everything you know what questions to ask absolutely and i think if we've learned one thing over the past year and a bit with the um, healthcare crisis is that teams have figured out how to work remotely and co uh, communicate and collaborate more effectively, it's actually accelerated the adoption and usage of real-time visualization and virtual and mixed reality, which is kind of cool because I, I think, you know, the, the, it's it's something that's allowing teams to be able to work in a more distributed way um, and find new efficiencies that I think everyone's going to benefit from even as the, you know, the pandemic clears. Yeah, ex exactly. 100%. So um, the visualization component has, you know, transformed, as you were just saying, in, in a number of ways, um, you know, whether people want to be on site because or can't be on site, but they need to visualize stuff, they need to actually have that information so they can take measurements or just view or they want to meet collaboratively. We've seen a number of technologies just fly off the shelf, essentially, and people just, you know, figuring it out uh, because this is kind of the driving force before maybe people were a little apprehensive, uh, you know, prices, uh, you know, just adopting a new technology is never, never uh, uh, an easy task. But, you know, COVID's kind of forced people to get over that hurdle. And now they're they're flocking to it. I don't think I don't think it's going anywhere. I think, uh, as you were just saying, uh, once COVID ends, I think a lot of this is going to kind of stick. Uh, is that something you guys are empowering today through your uh, processes at Lenovo? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're we're seeing is, you know, VR has been around for quite some time, and, and I think it's a part of many many projects, and it's accelerating with with COVID. But what we're seeing is headset manufacturers like Vario uh, and their new headsets um what they they have what they call human eye resolution they are so realistic when you put them on it, it what you're 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 looking through the experience is incredible it's like having a vr experience with you know 4k monitors attached to your to your eyes it's so realistic and because it's a mixed reality headset. It's got cameras on the eyes, so you can actually um, have a collaborative meeting with somebody next to you and actually see your environment and also uh, pass through and look at, you know, the virtual world at the same time. So the resolution is incredible. But what comes with the talents that comes with that is that you need powerful hardware to drive it. And, you know, that's where we come in as a, a workstation OEM provider, I mean, our job is to listen to the industry, understand the technologies that you guys require, 
and provide solutions that help you do what you need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so if we look at those particular headsets, for example, they require powerful graphics, uh, you know, which we partner with NVIDIA with their new A6000 um, graphics board was just announced. It's a good mate for that uh, Vario headset we just described. Um, you need a workstation to be able to host that, to host that experience, and you need the um, the hardware to all be certified. So it's like it's plug and play. And you know these technologies are complex. In some cases, uh, with some of the more advanced ones, you can't just plug it in and hope that everything's going to work. It requires an awful lot of testing and certification. And we work with um, our vendors to and partners to do that, so that we can provide solutions to the industry that just work um uh, that the the vr story is you know an incredible one that's going to continue to grow um we also see of course the other thing that COVID has taught us around mobility the workforce in in all industries suddenly became mobile um you know, overnight people were working at home or working in ways that, you know, they they hadn't experienced before. And what we found, you know, is this sort of move to mobility, we think is going to be something that sticks around, um, you know, even after COVID, uh, the COVID crisis clears, uh, because teams have proven that they can make it work. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, it was kind of tying back into what you were saying there. I was I was just waiting to kind of talk to you about this. But the the push that we're seeing right now, the disruption that we've seen in our industry that's been caused by, you know, things like going up to the cloud and let's say the amount of you know, pressure that you're putting on your hardware itself, the amount of work that you need it to do in order for, you know, processing of this data, especially, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's been a big, big thing that I've been hearing lately is how are the cloud elements such as like, let's say BIM 360 handling these large size models, you know, some of these models are um, three gigabytes, four gigabytes, you know, if not if not upwards of that, right? And a lot of times we, you know, what we're seeing now is this workforce is, is it's mobile, but a lot of times maybe their hardware isn't up to par or the actual, um, well, the, what, what they're trying to do, like the, the cloud portion of it itself, the bandwidth or things like that, they're experiencing these kind of speed issues, these lags, right? With, with trying to model and handle these large size models. So I think, that is another thing we're going to see, like we are seeing is that cloud computing. We're seeing a push there and it has disrupted our industry. But at the same time, I feel like if we can enable anyone anywhere to have that capability to get into these models and, and model as much as they need to. And, you know, we've, we've kind of been hearing more about like remote desktops and, and again, cloud computing, things like that into really pushing to where um, maybe this is all you know, hosted on a, a a portable kind of, you know, workstation that can handle it or um, just different things like that, right? Spreading it out and figuring out how we can handle and really push this data. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think what we've seen from a mobility perspective is at a very top level, our 
customers are demanding a desktop-like experience in a mobile package. So they want to be able to have the the power to be able to run their Revit models or their, their Bentley models or their all-plan models or whatever they happen to be uh, using. And many of these products uh, are quite, uh, they, they have uh, mature architectures. Uh, they're all, uh, for the large part, single-threaded, which means they, they require a high clock speed to be able to get the, the best performance. Um, which and you know very fast memory uh, and fast disk speeds to to be able to read and write data. What we've seen you know on the mobile front is you know there's been three sort of scenarios where users had to get out of the office one day. They're told the office is closed. Grab your stuff and go. They grab their mobile. They go home. They plug it into a dock on a monitor, um, and they're they're up and running. They've got all their apps local. They, they um, you know, connect to their data either locally or in the cloud through BIM 360 in a shared model or, um, you know, connecting to a data center back at the office. Um, you, know, you know, many of our customers have experienced that um, particular use case. In fact, there's a great story we did with Aston Martin on the manufacturing side that talks specifically about that grab and go. Uh, and that that's the primary use case. And I think around mobiles, you know, we're, we're getting feedback from users who are things that we normally don't think about. You know, they need better cameras to be able to interface with uh, their colleagues. They need better sound. Um, they need a better sort of work from home experience. So all of this feedback has been taken and it it's going to impact our future roadmap. Um, which is which is kind of cool. I mean, the other areas around mobility, you know, there's a couple of other buckets. We're seeing virtualization, um, where I think most architecture and engineering, manufacturing, IT departments um, have accelerated their roadmap for in implementing a virtualized uh, scenario for for some of their users. And, and that can kind of take two forms, sort of a one-to-one -one connection where, you know, I have my mobile workstation at home and it connects to a desktop workstation back in the office. And through, you know, innovative software like MechDyne's uh, software, we're, we're able to give a one-to-one -one experience connection with that workstation back in the office with, so, you know, Near zero latency. Sorry, that's pretty. No, I was actually going to say so. No lag time. That's pretty remarkable. Um, Very. We can't say no lag time, but it's it's near no lag time, and it's it's very interesting technology. So what's happening is that the the um, the workstation that hosts the your your um, experience back in the office has a an NVIDIA RTX card in it. Your um, client workstation that you have at home, your mobile workstation also has an NVIDIA card in it. And the MechDyne TGX software basically uses uh, encode and decode built into the hardware to be able to stream those pixels from one machine to the other. So what you see at home is basically a video stream of what's happening on your workstation back in the office with near, late, uh, near zero latency. Um, 
it's it's truly fantastic for users who who need to be able to access a machine back in the office for more complex workflows. It's also quite secure because your data is not on your client machine at home. So so something like a um, real stream connection to your to your op you know your files not just your files but your your actual device in the office rather than a you know file VPN essentially where you're tunneling in just to access files but this this instance you're actually utilizing that that full uh, computing power in the office but utilizing your graphics card uh, GPUs all that fun stuff just to visualize the data and interact with it. It's it's like having your workstation in the office on your desktop at home on your mobile workstation. The two are are connected. So, you know, anything that you can do on your workstation back in the office, you can do on your mobile at home through this Mechdyne TGX interface that we've partnered with them on. It's very that's, that's pretty awesome. I'll have to do more deep dives into that and figure out some more about this Mechdyne. Uh, we, well, you know, we work for a large technology manufacturer and we've got our own, you know, tools and processes for connecting to the office. But it sounds like this is like something utilized by everybody for, um, uh, you know, interacting with very complex software and data sets. Yeah, well, if you think about it, it's going to save people money as well, because these complex workstations that you have to build. I mean, I worked in an architecture at uh, office at one point where I had like a liquid and fan cooled, you know, custom built uh, desktop computer that would handle all the Revit models that I was processing and the data I was rendering and everything like that. Um, it's expensive to build those. And then as technology, as the software becomes more and more complex, you know, something like that, even even then, when it's so awesome, it becomes legacy, right? At, at that point, it become, it could become legacy in the matter of a year or two, you know what I mean, in terms of how fast our technology is growing. And I feel like being able to, you know, say, okay, we know that we need this computer set up with these types of specs, and we can go ahead and set that up and then utilize it from anywhere, right? Our, our employees can use this at any point in time when they need to jump in. There's almost, you know, there's very little latency and we can trust the environment that we are in as well, because that's another big thing in our industry is that that trust of that safeguarding of your information, of your data. That, that's right. And I think you mentioned a, a high powered computer that, uh, you know, you, you've used in the past. Uh, you know, one of the machines that users connect to is the new uh, P620 that we've just launched. You mentioned, you know, liquid cooling. We've actually partnered with uh, AMD to deliver the world's first um, professional workstation based around the Threadripper Pro technology. That's awesome. So you, it's and we're the only ones in the market that develop a, a professional workstation based around that uh, Threadripper Pro chipset it comes in 12 16 32 and 64 core versions of it it's a single socket and it's an incredible machine you mentioned liquid cooling this is an air-cooled machine it's a mid-sized chassis it's a very 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 well engineered machine based around the new pcie gen 4 architecture um, that supports the new memory the new bus architecture uh, the new nvidia um, RTX A6000 card, which also takes advantage of that uh, PCIe Gen 4. So it's, it really is 
you know, one of the most powerful workstations on the market. And again, it's professional. It's not liquid cooled. It's air cooled. Um, so it's it's a great machine for doing many of these complex workflows that, you know, you necessarily may not necessarily do on a mobile workstation. I mean, heavy duty reality capture, um, point cloud processing, um, you know, being one example, simulation analysis, uh, you know, finite element analysis, uh, analysis, CFD, that sort of thing uh, can really be accelerated on a professional desktop workstation like the, the P620. So users can have the power of that machine at home through this connection through the TGX MechDime software and have that same experience on a you know their their ThinkPad of choice, so it's something that we're, we're we're very excited about. That is very awesome, and I think it goes right into um, kind of what Joey and I have been talking about for a while. Is you know in the construction industry we talk about connecting construction, right? And I wanted to go back to your previous point of you know kind of plug and play, but also how you guys are developing this hardware in order to make sure that it does connect as it needs to, so it can be expandable. You can build off of it, you know, and if you need those higher, um, well, graphics cards or processors that you can reach out, and again, it is plug and play, so it makes sense for users. It's easy for them to go ahead and make those changes if they need it, and it's really enabling. I feel like the industry to keep, you know, growing and and taking this, you know, this disruption of of technology head on and, you know, pushing into these higher softwares that uh, maybe they didn't have the capability to get into earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, the pandemic has helped accelerate some of these higher end workflows. You know, we talked about real time rendering earlier. We have a customer we've been working with for some time. They're called Neoscape. They're one of the, you know, leading visualization uh, firms in, in the in the in the US. Uh, they work out of the the Boston area. And they've been working with this P620 workstation with um, uh, the the NVIDIA A6000 card in it now. And what they told us was that, you know, they're able to do remote client sessions with their, um, uh, you know, with their their partners and get feedback in real time on design changes. They can actually iterate design in real time with the client and make, you know, informed decisions because everybody has the confidence that what they're looking at is physically accurate. And they can see it in real time. In this case, I think they're doing it through the the Unreal Engine, uh, and and they've told us it's it's really accelerated. Uh, the use of real-time visualization as a uh, uh, client review and design tool. That's it's kind of exciting. The the Unreal Engine is is pretty remarkable. I mean, this is a remarkable workflow. Uh, you, I believe, had a hand in the Unreal Engine sort of stuff, right? If I read your LinkedIn profile correctly in the past, um, is that correct? So just make sure. I'm well, ready. I worked with the. Uh, uh, with the Unreal Engine team for about six months to help them initially launch uh, the introduction of of UE into the architecture space. I worked with yeah. a, a good friend of mine, Ken Pimentel, who was leading up the uh, uh, 
the architecture industry there, and I helped support him with some customer validation and some other uh, other projects that I worked on. It was very exciting to see the early day uh, development that t- the development team was, was working on. Uh, it was really, really nice to be part of that team to see, you know, the initial introduction uh, of me into that space. So, so you've been involved with uh, kind of what we're seeing come to fruition as far as construction technology for quite some time then with just being on the Unreal Engine time, even even uh, team, even for a short amount of time, six months. But before that, you were with, the, you know, the Alias side, which is, you know, again, more um, uh, automotive based. I've got friends that work for large trucking companies that use that software. But but also uh, leading into the Forge platform, uh, so that's kind of reshaping the way that we talk about construction as well. So like you you've kind of had this whole foray where we talk about the uh, connected construction platform into the visualization platform and now into the powering everybody so they can actually use that technology in a meaningful manner. Uh, you've you've come kind of full circle it seems like talking. Uh, through this whole whole process, is there any one thing that kind of uh, stood out more than uh, than the other as far as uh, large leaps in technology at the time? Well, you know, I think obviously a soft spot is, is Maya because it, it was it was the first major project that I I, I, I worked on with the, the team at at Alias. So it was a, just a ton of fun and a great introduction to the to the industry, you know, that was at the beginning of my time with Alias. And then at the very end of my time with Autodesk, I, I worked with the, the Forge team um, on the initial introduction of the, the Forge platform. And I have a soft spot for, for Forge as well, because, you know, I think what Autodesk is trying to do is make its technology more accessible to developers to be able to extend uh, their ecosystem. I remember years ago, a few years ago, seeing, you know, JE Dunn work with the Forge platform to develop their Dunn dashboard, which was, um, you know, a, a tool they used to interface with their their clients and as well manage projects internally. Uh, and, you know, when I joined Lenovo, it was great to see JE Dunn as one of our major customers in the construction space so it's it's great to have that continuity of um, relationships there but sorry go ahead sorry go ahead no no go go ahead sorry (laughs) i was going to say that the platform i i I think they continue to enhance it to enable you know developers to build off of the autodesk ecosystem you know everything from visualization to reality capture to other types of services we've seen it used very effectively and facilities management as well so there's tremendous possibilities um, that can be used to connect the autodesk data ecosystem through forge yeah i love it uh, the product's really taken on a, a life of its own uh, that said je dunn is uh, one of the gold standards in the aec space as far as leveraging new technology so it's great to see that they're working with you guys at Lenovo and, and finding a path forward uh, as well as you know connecting their data with uh, the BIM 360 platform through Forge APIs they've actually gone you know above and beyond they have developed their own estimation database called Lens that actually utilizes the BIM 360 uh, well I guess I should say Forge API so every time a model gets updated 
tears that bad boy apart and automatically ties back to the estimation databases. It's it, I am blown away with what's what's done. Are you guys involved with that at any point on the Lenovo side? Are you guys doing anything with with uh, them on, on the estimation side? Not directly. I mean, we work with um, JE Dunn quite frequently. They are a regular participant at our um, uh, advisory council. So many of the uh, you know development features that we see in our products at development directions, we take our cues directly from our customers and our advisors we pride ourselves on working with them and listening to them. And that's one of the greatest things about being in this, this industry is that you know, I make an effort to understand the industry, but I don't have to be the expert. Our customer is the expert, and they help guide us as to what they require to be able to be more effective. And our job is to to listen and help evolve our products and services to uh, meet their needs. And Jay Dunn, along with many others, are um, a big part of our our ecosystem in terms of guiding, you know, what we do. Uh, so we, you know, we see these trends that are happening in the industry, many of which we've talked about. There are many, many more that are happening as well. And we, you know, develop our, our hardware uh, and software solutions to help support the industry. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier where uh, you guys are taking direct feedback, especially uh, as we're dealing in times of COVID, needs have changed. Uh, remote remote uh, access change. You mentioned uh, better sound quality, better cameras. And you guys are kind of implementing that into your feedback loop so that you guys can design uh, and accommodate this in the future. Um, you know, speaking of that though, I know Lenovo has you know quite a cloud infrastructure. You guys partner with Intel. There's a lot of great things that you guys are doing there. Is there anything that you uh, can share today about where you guys are kind of pushing your cloud infrastructure as far as the AEC industry? Well, today we, you know, our sister division um, in the uh, the data center group has a very robust offering of uh, data center solutions, and they work with the the industry as a whole to be able to help provide those uh, solutions. Um, you know, it's not my super area of expertise. I'm more on the uh, the desktop and mobile workstation side, but we do work very closely with that team, and there is a a strong investment in helping to support, you know, server and data uh, data um, data center infrastructure to support cloud uh, initiatives. So it is something that Lenovo is investing very heavily in. That's um, that's good to know that uh, you guys are going to be another player in this, uh, and that you guys already are actually. Um, so focusing on the VR side of things is. What is Lenovo specifically doing for uh, computing power for visualization? It does take a lot of equipment. You mentioned uh, these uh, high-powered machines that you guys have partnered with or are created, but you're partnering with AMD um, to make better better use of, uh, I guess, GPUs and all this stuff. I'm saying GPUs as if I know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to computer specs. I just know that Revit takes this, this, and this, and this is what I need to get uh, a large model coordinated, essentially. But that said... Um, you know, where are you, where are you focusing your efforts today to, to really drive home the impact of the AEC industry and how we can leverage uh, more computing power, more technology, more, um, you know, remote accessing, remote 
work? Um, is there any anything that you know Lenovo is is working on today that you want to hint at? I'm just uh, just curious where um, you know where Lenovo's kind of pushing us in the CEC industry. You guys are powerful. Well, I think you know going back to our earlier conversation around mobility, you know users have been pushing us for thinner, faster, lighter mobile workstations for quite some time. And, it, you know, the technology is improving. I think one of these things, one of these days we'll have to have a follow-up conversation about what our roadmap looks like, because there's some exciting stuff that's happening uh, that we can't wait to share with you, but the time isn't quite right to do that. Um, we work very, very closely with our partners at AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA to bring, you know, a selection, a cross-section of, of technology to the market that fits just about any workstation need, whether it's, you know, a tiny workstation that's this, you know, one, in a one-liter chassis that's, you know, ISV certified to run Revit or AutoCAD or Bentley, right on up to, um, you know, a, a massive high-powered workstation based around the AMD Threadripper Pro technology or the Intel scalable processors that will do, you know, artificial intelligence or, you know, complex uh, simulations like finite element analysis, stress, etc. So there's a there, there's a range of solutions that are that are um, available that we're, we're working on. I think, you know, for listeners, you know, I remember working at uh, at Autodesk and Alias. I had no idea what was um, under the hood of the the machines that I used. Didn't really matter because you know it just just worked. Uh, and then when I joined Lenovo, it's like, wow, this is complex. It's it's just it's not simple pulling together the right configuration for you know a CAD user or a BIM uh, BIM user. But the the one thing to remember is that like I said earlier, these applications tend to thrive on high clock speed, the solid modeling applications. See, the higher the clock speed, the faster Revit's going to run. You want fast memory and you want fast storage. The new NVMe drives, for example, will read and write, you know, 10 times or more faster than the legacy spinning drives that, you know, people were using even just, you know, four or five years ago. That has a tremendous impact on how quickly you can read in a Revit file, a large Revit file, and save it so others can have access to it. Um, and then on the graphics side, you know, data sets are, are getting more complex all the time. And if you multitasking as many architects and engineers are, you need a good graphics card to be able to visualize in real time, whether it's Lumion or one of the game engines or V-Ray, you know, most architects need a fairly sophisticated high-powered workstation and we're working really hard to provide you know the supercomputer on the desktop and that desktop like experience in a mobile uh, package you know at the same time it provides flexibility of connecting you know to the cloud or the data center or, or however our customers are, are working And and that's um, I think that's probably kind of be a moving target, right? Obviously, as as technology evolves, as you guys keep pushing forward new technology in people's 
uh, needs for these for, for you know computing power all that stuff changes you guys are kind of gonna you know obviously revamp and, and and all that sort of stuff but where you guys were at alias and and you know where you are at now today with Lenovo um, so being at alias you were focused on the software so maybe you didn't have you know quite the uh, desire or understanding as far as the computing power that was needed. Lenovo, it's probably a different different experience, I imagine. Um, very different. Um, very different. But fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can imagine, right? Uh, like you got to uh, play with software, create software. Now you actually get to uh, do some tweaks on the back end and 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 kind of solve the really com- yeah, yeah, solve really complex problems because. Software is only as good as the hardware, right? We can talk about cloud all day long. We can talk about Forge. We can talk about all this sort of stuff. Uh, but ultimately, you know, things live in the cloud, but they actually reside on somebody's servers somewhere. That's all computing power that somebody has to utilize, whether it's um, bare metal, whatever it is. But Lenovo, you guys are creating real power for everybody and kind of pushing the industry. So uh, whether people think about Lenovo as a power player in the AEC, you guys are really driving the way that we use technology. Well, it's it's nice of you to say we, we, we like to be part of the conversation. We like to help nurture the conversation. And, you know, in the activities that we do, we try and provide a forum for people to talk about the industry and, at the same time, learn from them. You know, for years we've we've helped sponsor an event called Next Build in London, which brings together, you know, it, it uh, it's basically a technology platform to a uh, one day event where we have, you know, guest speakers from some of the, the leading firms, uh, you know, throughout Europe come and talk for a day and share, you know, the innovations that we're working on, and we use it as a you know, basically a platform to host a dialogue, and we learn from that. The industry players get to connect with one another, so it's we like being part of the uh, the conversation. That's great. That's great. I feel like that's that's really how I feel like everyone involved in the AUC industry should be, especially if you're you know you're creating things for the industry. You want to be involved, and you know, I, I one of my things I was going to talk about here is, you know, I, 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 I have ADD, right? And with technology, it kind of feeds into my ADD in a, in a sense of like things are always changing. It, it's never really the same, right? Things are always updating. There's new software, there's new technology and how hardware can push different workflows into the software. And things are always changing. So it's, it, it's great to be in this and to be able to, you know, kind of chase down all of those things and again, see kind of where they go. But I just, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see again, how you guys are really pushing into the industry and and helping us to change the way we work, right? I think that was another kind of thing Joey and I talked about is, you know, the the shift in the industry right now, we, we found that we have a, a labor kind of shortage, right, in, in the construction industry. And they're trying to figure different ways around that labor shortage. And uh, what I, you know, the, the term that I always heard in the Army kind of coming up was work smarter, not harder, right? And, and I feel like we're really enabling that lately with figuring out how we can do more with less, 
And if we can use, you know, a, a, a small digital workstation that can connect to a, you know, in-office workstation that's really enabled and prepared to push these big models, and the more that we see, you know, into cloud computation or into um, analyzing these different models, connecting and collaborating, I, I feel like, uh, you know, the sky is the limit in that sense, or the cloud is the limit in this sense, or maybe further, who knows <laughs> what's after the cloud, right? Who, who really knows? But I, I, it's all really exciting, and I, uh, I'm very, you know, happy to see you guys getting into this industry, and it's awesome to have you on our podcast. Thank you again so much for coming on. Um, it's just, it is a, a privilege to get to talk to, you know, people like you in the industry and, and, uh, as you know, representing Lenovo and to see how you guys are pushing and kind of changing the, helping to change the industry and helping we, the everyday users as well. We, we get to chat with a lot of, you know, Dave and I are going to geek out for a second. We get to chat a lot with, uh, BIM legends, right? People that have been in the BIM space forever that kind of shaped, you know, what we think about BIM today, you know, and 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 that sort of stuff, right? Like maybe they've created a, a platform to uh, enable, uh, you know, better BIM collaboration or, or management of data, sharing data, whatever it is. But very few do we actually get to talk to an architect behind kind of the, you know, the what we think about in connected construction, but also kind of tying back into uh, the visualization component, but also the powering everybody and really kind of giving everybody the the power to do what they um, you know, what they need to do or what they want to do for future jobs as we start to think about uh, this connected construction, connected BIM, connected design, whatever it is, but as, yeah. uh, but also thinking about the uh, the component of uh, working remotely, which is a huge, huge thing, uh, especially for Dave and myself. We're, we're working remotely. We love it. I've been working remotely for a few years now, and uh, I, I don't think I'd trade it, but, but COVID's allowed everybody else to kind of experience this as well. And, and you guys being the, the technology provider, the, uh, the, the, the real um, horsepower, I guess I should say, behind it, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're giddy. We're, we're nerding out. We're geeking out on it. On it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, you look at the industry. The fundamentals are still the same uh, despite COVID. You know, we still have issues around, uh, you know, population transition to larger centers. We we have construction waste. Um, we have, you know, sustainability requirements and, you know, carbon footprint generated by buildings. We still have the same challenges. And if one thing, you know, COVID has helped us with, I think it will help accelerate some of these mega trends we've been talking about, you know, from using generative design to digital fabrication to robotics to, you know, prefabricate buildings to IoT technology to build sensor networks and nervous systems into buildings and structures to, you know, help them connect into digital twins and smart cities. I mean, we're hopeful that, you know, COVID will help accelerate some of these mega trends um, to allow us to build more smartly um, over time. And we're here to help provide the industry with the, the right workstation solutions to, to do that. Yeah, Chris, man, you, you hit all my buzzwords there in like one sentence. It was awesome. <laughs> 
I got so excited while you were talking there. I'm like, yes, this is what we're saying. This is what we're preaching. Like, this is what he we want to see. He twins. <laughs> well, it's all of that, dude. It's, it's, you know, building nervous systems into the building to understand what's going on in that building and, and what the output is of that building. What, you know, what, um, I can't think effect it's going to have on, you know, the environment around it. And, you know, as Chris was talking about the infrastructure needs and, and the waste that we have, it's it's all the same. It's still there. It seems like it's a, a problem that we cannot really, you know, um, I, I'd say get rid of in this sense. You know what I mean? We're, we're trying and we're trying. And there are so many different things that we are really trying to do. You know, Joey, you and I talked about them with demolition and understanding how we can recycle, understanding how we can, you know, take down a building to have less effect on the overall environment. But it extends so much more into when it connects with a smart city and connects with the environment around it. And you have an understanding of, again, of what that building really means uh, when you're placing it in that city. And, you know, Joey and I get into the, the whole demographics and psychographics of this information and connecting you know, GIS information and IOT to BIM and and really enabling everyone to see this data and make these better decisions. So yeah, I completely agree, Chris. And I'm I'm also hoping that COVID has done this. I mean, I've seen in so many ways that it's pushed people to the cloud and it's, you know, kind of forced us to embrace this software and this this technology that we have. And, and we're seeing this kind of push to it. And I'm hoping, like, honestly, I'm hoping that it continues. I don't want to, I don't want to revert back to our previous just because, you know, we do get back to normalcy and it is easy to work in the offices. No, I mean, I, I get all of that. But at the same time, I, I think, I, I think I've seen how our industry can still be productive, like can really be productive working with less and enabling things like you're talking about the generative design dynamo or enabling prefabrication and things like that and how it can, you know, improve safety on the job site or improve deliverables and accuracy of what they're, they're putting out. I mean, it's all the way around. I think it's, it's really going to help us, you know, even when we're, if you think about analyzing the building, right? Yeah. Analyzing the building itself. Yes, we already have insight for, you know, uh, the solar analysis and lighting analysis. And, and we have some structural analysis tools. We're starting to get into the, the MEP analysis with the flow charts and the, and the pressure drops and things like that. So we can make these better decisions sooner. But at the same time, let's take it past construction or take it past design in itself, right? We can put it into mm -hmm. construction and, and allow the owner to do an analysis of what it's going to, what all this decision is going to do. Like if I make this addition and I add this to it, how is this going to affect me and what I currently have? I, I really feel like the more that we can get towards that the better well, we are well there's been a common uh, theme in all of that you've mentioned right so i came from a gis side the number one issue with gis has always been competing power uh it's just been forever i'd have to let python scripts run until my eyes uh, until my face turns blue you know my eyes gloss you know rolling back my head and i'm asleep uh that's that's where we've been at as far as the visualization side again render forms all that sort of stuff just takes forever as we start to leverage uh, cloud technology like Lenovo provides and computing power, right? We are now able to uh, tap into more powerful machines. I feel like COVID kind of just, you know, twisted that dagger just a little bit to make everybody wake up and realize that, hey, look, what, you know, what we're dealing with is the status quo is just not enough. And uh, let's ask for more. Let's get better. Let's do all that stuff and adopt 
adopt these more powerful platforms so that we can actually uh, f- facilitate this next level of BIM connected construction? What, what have you designed, visualization? And I, I just got to commend you guys, Chris. Uh, um, I, I'm looking forward to see what uh, COVID's kind of, you know, forcing Lenovo to, to come up with the next. I'm always, I'm a tech, I'm, I'm a geek for this stuff. So I, I love to see where, where, uh, where, where, you know, where things are coming out of and what comes next. That's great. Well, look forward to a follow-up conversation with you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, six months, a year from now, I, I want to see where uh, what came out of COVID. You know, happy to revisit you know things that you couldn't mention today, obviously, Absolutely. because it's still under wraps, which I also got to commend you on. Uh, a company that does not tip their hand as far as technology they're developing, you know, not, not saying names, but uh, too often we get... Uh, you know, let a carrot and we're, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for technology to lead up. But, you know, keeping under wraps, I, I commend you on that. So thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks again, Chris, for coming on. And thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Brewing with BIM. Um, next week we have another guest on and we're very excited to, uh, to have that conversation as well. We're going to be focusing, I think, a little bit more in the coordination space and and really how that impacts, which it's really going back to even what we're talking about here, Chris, and visual visualization and, and really processing that data, especially when you get into coordination. These models can be very large and there's a lot of complex data there in terms of the piping, the penetration points that need the penetrations that need to happen. And, you know, let, let's say they have like the uh, what is it, the P the the post-tension uh, cables, they might have those spread around. We need to know where those are. So if we're drilling through the concrete, you know that you're not going to drill through this cable and essentially just blow your whole job. Uh, it, it, it's it, There's a I, lot that goes into this. I, I can't tell you how often I've run into coordination issues, and it's been uh, uh, crippled by my computing power. So uh, it does definitely tie into what we talked about today. It does, man. I mean, these models, they just continue to grow in size. And like we're talking about here, the more data that we can Im- include, more information that we can pull and, and process, the better that we are. But again, the more stress that it puts on your hardware, on your bandwidth, and you need something to be able to handle that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for your time, David. As always, man, uh, it's been a great episode. And I look forward to connecting next week. Heck yeah. Thanks again. Speak soon. Bye now.